Okay, so I'm going to confess, I have not always made the best decisions in my life. And I'm not just talking about the baby blue tux I wore to senior prom, (laughs) or the AMC Pacer I once drove, worst car ever. There have been big decisions that didn't quite work out the way I'd hoped it. My wife will tell you about a little fixer-upper house in North Carolina that turned into a money pit that drained every penny in our savings account. Things have not always gone as well as I'd hoped, and and I've made some mistakes and made some poor decisions. And, And I'm guessing that I'm not the only one who has made some bad decisions in their life. Really? It's just me? You're going to leave me hanging there? Okay, so if you have ever made a bad decision in your life, this sermon series is for you. We all have things that we just, gosh, that didn't go the way I thought. Whether it was a job we took or an investment opportunity we didn't take or a house we bought or or a marriage we entered into, we all have big decisions that we just Wish we could have a do-over. Wish we could take a mulligan and have a second chance. Well, over the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at life's biggest decisions. Because I believe that we are all just one big decision away from being the people we were created to be. I think we're all just one big decision away from living the life that we were meant to live. And I believe that if we take advantage of the means of grace that God has provided for us, that we can make better decisions. Are you with me on that? Everybody want to make better decisions? All right. Well, the first decision that's kind of a, uh, lays the groundwork for every other decision we make in life has to do with our relationship with God. You know, life is really about relationships. Relationships have a lot to do with the quality of life we experience, and in many ways they help define who we are and who we are going to be. It is who I am in relationship to you that makes me who I am. I am a father, I'm a son, I'm an uncle, I'm a brother, I'm a husband, I'm a pastor, I'm a friend, I'm a colleague, I'm a mentor, I'm a student. And it's all these different relationships and the the interconnection of those, that web of relationships that makes me who I am. So it's important that we pay attention to these relationships. And of course, the primary relationship that defines who we are and leads to the quality of life we experience is our relationship with God. So we've got to get this settled. I think a good place to begin addressing the question of what kind of relationship do I want to have with God is by asking the question, what kind of relationship does God want to have with me? Fortunately, the Scriptures have something to tell us about that. I'd invite you to read along with me. Our Scripture reading is coming from uh, the, John's first epistle in the fourth chapter, beginning with the seventh verse. I invite you to listen for God's Word to us. Dear friends, 
Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the blessing that we receive in the reading and hearing of your sacred word. May it find its home in our hearts. And Lord, I pray this morning that your spirit would be upon me to guide my thoughts and remove from my lips any words but your own. That with faithfulness and with integrity I might proclaim the wonderful good news of your redeeming love. Amen. So life is about relationships. And the truth is our Christian faith is about relationships. Our Christian faith is about our relationship with each other and our relationship with God. We sometimes forget this. We sometimes go askew and get off path, and we think it's, it's about having the right doctrines and dogmas and following the rules and all the commandments, and we get caught up in all that stuff when it's really about the relationship that we have with each other and the relationship that we have with God. Jesus says there is no commandment greater that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the summation of what it means to live a Christian life. And so if our faith in our life is all about relationships, seems like we should be intentional about what kind of relationship those are going to be. And as I reflected on that, it seems like we have basically four options when it comes down to it about what kind of relationship we can have with God. The first option is antagonism. We can set ourselves opposed to God and be the antagonist to deny and defy. It's become rather fashionable these days to be an atheist, to deny God, to defy God, and to mock those who believe in God, as if, as if you're some kind of petulant adolescent wagging your finger at a, a big black hole, I suppose. But Psychologists who work with family systems will tell you that one of the worst things you can do in any relationship is a cutoff, a complete uh, separation where there is nothing left in any relationship because not only does it um, um, uh, provide no possibility for reconciliation or for uh, growth, but it also diminishes you when you completely cut off those relationships. So psychologists often recommend no matter how bad, no matter how dysfunctional, you still stay in, in a connectedness. Now you need boundaries, it needs to be healthy and all that, 
but you don't cut off. And what atheists do and what the antagonists do with God is try to cut God off. And that is not a healthy option. Our second option, I think, for our relationship with God is one of apathy. Apathy is almost worse than antagonism. Apathy means you just don't care. There may be a God, there may not be a God. You don't want to put too much effort into it. You don't want to think about it. Is there any other relationship in your life that would survive apathy? Apathy, it's almost like we act as though God were this landlord coming for the rent, and we just say, well, just keep your head down and keep the the blinds shut, and maybe he'll go away and leave us alone. And we know he's there, but we don't want to have much to do with him. Third option that we have for our relationship with God is one of passive submission. Passive submission. And unfortunately, there are a lot of faith communities that really promote this, where it's just shut up, do what you're told, follow the rules, like lemmings being led off the cliff, just get in line, and this is the way it works. Don't ask too many questions. Just passively submit. The problem with that is, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where God calls for us to passively submit. God does not want us to be victimized by our faith. In the Scriptures, we are called God's friends. We are called God's ambassadors. We are called God's co-creators. We are never called lemmings. If God didn't want us to think, if God didn't want us to ask good, hard questions, He wouldn't give us the brain that we have. We are not called to be submissive lemmings just following the leader without asking questions and wrestling with issues of our faith. Passive submission is not the healthy relationship. But there's a fourth option. And you know it's my favorite because I left it for last. And it's the option I would call the loving embrace. I think that's exactly what John was talking about in our Scripture this morning, the loving embrace. To love God, to receive God's love, to share God's love with others. That's what the healthy option is. The Scriptures say that God is love, and all those who know love, all those who practice love, God dwells in them, and God loves them. God expressed his love for us by sending his son into the world to teach us, to heal us, to forgive our sins so that we might find our life and our love through him. And we express our love for God by how we love one another. It is our love and the way we treat each other, particularly the least of these, particularly how we treat the people we disagree with, particularly those who we wouldn't particularly hang out with them if we had a choice. It's these people and how we treat them and how we love them that honors God and glorifies God. We love God through how we love others. The loving embrace. The last several months, as I've been commuting back and forth between here and Dallas, I've been riding the Megabus. Anybody ride the Megabus? It's great. It is so cool. One of the things about the Megabus that I like is, unlike airports these days, with all the security checkpoints, you know, people waiting 
for, uh, to pick up loved ones. They're, they're, they're kind of down by the baggage and all this, and you don't get to see people. Uh, but at the Megabus, they don't have a lot of security and all that. So when people get off the bus, I love you see just people just running up and throwing their arms around the loved one. They're so excited to see their son or their daughter or their mother or their father or their friend or their boyfriend or whatever. But you just see people just hugging and embracing, and, and that's the kind of loving embrace that God wants to have in our relationship. Just this last week, there was a, a, a report of a study done by some scientists. They were looking at the behavior of dogs, and they were looking at what is the best kind of positive reinforcement to communicate with a dog. And they found that by saying things like, good boy, well, that was good, but it was a much better positive reinforcement when the owner threw their arms around the dog's neck or when they scratched behind their ears. There's something about the physicality of being embraced that speaks way beyond any words could ever communicate. And so it's that loving embrace that God wants to love us and God wants us to throw our arms around him. Why do you think the, the parable of the prodigal son is by far the favorite of all Jesus' parables? And it has been for generation after generation. I believe in large part it's because of that last scene where Jesus says that the father throwing aside all decorum and, and all proper dignity runs down the road and throws his arms around his wayward son and welcomes him home. That's the model for the relationship that we are to have. The father with his arms thrown around the son and the son with his arms thrown around the father in loving embrace. I'll tell you a good example of that. Any of y'all catch the interview uh, that Matt Lauer did with Dr. Kent uh, Bentley uh, this last, it was on Friday night, amazing interview. I'm not sure there has been a more powerful witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ on network TV ever. So Kent Bentley, is the, um, he's the doctor who was working with Samaritan Purse in Liberia, and uh, he contracted Ebola, and he was brought back to the States, and um, I'm not sure if it's cured or an emission or exactly what the, the technical thing is, but he's doing well now. Uh, after his treatment in Atlanta. Well, Matt Lauer interviewed him, and he is a man of wonderful faith, and he just told his story about how as a, a young man, he was active in his church, and he went on mission trips, and it was at one of these mission trips that he felt God's claim on his life. And so he decided to go to med school, all the while knowing that he was headed to the mission field. So he became a doctor specifically so he could go and practice medicine and heal people in the name of Jesus Christ in the mission field. Marvelous, marvelous interview. At one point, though, as he was suffering with Ebola, before he had uh, been evacuated to the States, there was one night when he truly thought he was going to die. He did not believe he had the strength to get through the night. And um, Matt Lauer said, well, tell me what happened that night. And Kent said, well, God and I had a heart-to-heart -heart talk. And, I said, and he's saying this on national TV. And he said, I told God, I know he loves me, and I know he can heal me. But even if he doesn't, I belong to him, and I love him. I thought, wow on network TV, 
How cool is that? See, there is a guy who gets it. He understands the loving embrace of God. He understands what it is to hang on to God with all his might, all the while knowing that, that God has him in his arms, and there is nothing, no many, how many tantrums or how many fits he throws, nothing he can do that would cause God to release his embrace from him. Friends, we should be intentional about all our relationships in life, absolutely. But mostly, we need to be intentional about our relationship with God. So even if you've made bad decisions in your life, as most of us have, even if you've been places you shouldn't have been, done things you shouldn't have had, or perhaps forgotten to do things you should have done, no matter where you've been or who you've been or where you're headed, I encourage you to receive the love and the grace of God to throw your arms around God and give thanks for Jesus Christ and allow God's love to flow in you and through you into the other people in your life. Now, over the course of these next seven weeks, besides talking about some big decisions in our life, things like who we should marry and what kind of jobs we should get and what we should do with our money and what kind of legacy we want to live and some of these big questions we're going to look at, I also want to give you some tools and some resources that can help you make better decisions. I want to talk about the difference today between deciding and discerning. To kick this off, I want to lift up um, one of my favorite verses, and it's one of my favorite because my wife Stacy recites this to me all the time. It comes from Proverbs chapter 19. Where is, do we have that on the screen? Where it says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. How true is that? And this points out the difference between deciding and discerning. We all know what it is to decide. When we make decisions, and we make thousands of decisions every day, we're usually asking, what would be best for me? What do I want? Or perhaps we're a little bit more noble and we say, what would be best for my family? Or, or what would be best for my community? And we're using our best reason, our best logic. We're, we're thinking things through in terms of what would be best for me or my family or my community. But you see, when we're in a mode of discernment, the question is not what's best for me. It's what does God want for me? And that makes the equation very different. What do I want versus what does God want for me? The process of discernment is determining what is it that is in my best interest according to God. You see, as Presbyterians, we have long pointed out that the Scriptures reveal to us there is a purpose, there is a plan for our lives. God has set in motion this amazing creation and we have a part to play in it, and it's well thought through. And we live the best life possible when our lives are in alignment with God's purposes and plans for our lives. And so the questions we should be asking is not just, what do I want, but how do I get my life in alignment with God's plan and purpose for my life? What would God have for me? You see, most decisions are made at a desk 
while discernment is done on your knees. And there's a big difference. So over the course of the next seven weeks, every week we're going to look at one big decision, some of which you may have already made, but others that are still looming out there before you. But we're also going to look at spiritual disciplines. I call them disciplines of discernment, the means of grace that God has given to us for making better decisions. Because we are all just one decision away from being the people God created us to be. We are one decision away from living the life that God created us to live. Amen.